Who is wise? The one who learns from others. Join me on a journey where I speak to Jewish women from all backgrounds, each sharing their own stories, struggles, and successes. Join a community where you connect to something bigger than yourself. I'm your host, Karen Corin, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Soul Sessions with KK. I'm your host, Karen Corin, and today's guest is someone very dear to my heart. It's Dorina Kalati, also known as Coach Dorina, on Instagram and Facebook. So I have known Dorina for the past nine years or so, and we started to become acquainted with each other when I signed up for one of her first workshops on self-esteem and personal development. We then would see each other around in our local shul events, our community events, and various Torah classes. I had the privilege to do one of my first speaking engagements for the Shabbat Project with this lovely woman. Dorina is a life coach and a Torah educator. In this episode, you will discover how she got started on her career path, what philosophy shapes her worldview, and how she's currently handling a painful diagnosis. What you will hear will hopefully inspire you to go on a journey of your own personal development. But first, I'd like to thank Van Hack Collection for sponsoring this episode. Vanessa Van Hack Collection, she has always been a big accessories person, dressing up her outfits with fun and awesome jewelry. She learned all about the ins and outs of the industry when she worked with her father in the fine jewelry business for 10 years. She recently reignited her passion for jewelry by experimenting with fun and whimsical jewelry, thus giving birth to Van Hack Collection on August 15th, which is her birthday. Talk about milestones. Van Hack sells trendy and classic sterling silver jewelry. You can choose whether you want these gorgeous items personalized or not personalized. Van Hack also does custom work where people send her their dream pieces and she brings it to life. I personally, I adore her items. They're fun, they're perfect for going out and for everyday wear. My daughters wear her studs and I have a few rings and earrings of my own. You can check her out on Instagram and her Etsy webpage to see a tiny glimpse of the beautiful work she does. The best way to contact her is through a DM on Instagram. Now, without further ado, I would like to welcome the one and only Dorina Kalati. Hi, Dorina. Welcome to Soul Sessions. It is an honor to have you as a guest, and I'm really excited for you to share a little bit of your journey and your story with us. Can you first tell the audience a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. Okay, sure. Um, I love talking about myself, so that won't be too hard. Um, I'm a life coach. Um, I started, I think it was, you were in one of my classes. I think I started nine or 10 years ago. I first became interested in personal development through my own journey. Um, I was a young parent. I felt very lost. I felt very insecure. Um, I started struggling with autoimmune disorders. I just wanted to learn about myself, so I started studying. I went to a life coach myself. 
Um, Which autoimmune disorders? So I had rheumatoid arthritis and colitis. And I was suffering from them. I was, I was in pain. I had chronic pain. I was trying to be this perfect mother. Um, I always felt very inadequate. So I started, like, I delved into this. I first delved into an area of self-improvement. Mm-hmm. And that just, actually, that made me feel worse. So can you tell me the difference between self-improvement and self-development? Is yeah. there a difference? So self-improvement and personal development are two different things. Mm-hmm. I first delved into self-improvement because I just felt I wasn't good enough. So I just kept wanting to perfect everything I was doing. So mm-hmm. therefore, I took parenting classes. I took Shalom Bayed classes. Um, I took any class there was because I, I just felt I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So that, not that that was wrong. It gave me a lot of great skills. Mm-hmm. It taught me a lot of things, but I wasn't dealing with like a deeper issue, which was there was just a lack of love and acceptance of myself. Wow. So personal development is where you get to really know yourself and then you get to love yourself and then eventually, slowly, you get to accept yourself. And then that, in turn, organically helps improve on every aspect of your life. Whereas self-improvement is like your... It's like outside in. Yeah. And then like self-development is inside out. Yeah. And like when when you feel like you have to fix yourself or you have to improve yourself, that's already showing a lack of acceptance and a lack of love for yourself. Mm -hmm. So that inner world of yours isn't going to... Be satisfied. It's not going to be satisfied or content. It's not going to feel accepted. That's right. That's so, so right. So it doesn't really work. And I was actually getting I was actually getting sicker and more depressed the more I tried to self-improve. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Why is that? Because it's like the more I felt I need to I needed to fix myself, mm-hmm. the the less that part of me inside felt accepted. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know if I'm describing it well. No, you are. I just, how does one get to that place where they know themselves, where they accept themselves? How, do, how does one do that? So how did you do it? I started exploring. So this, I started noticing the self-improvement in all the books I was reading for self-improvement and how to be the best this and the best that. It just wasn't working. I just mm-hmm. felt my body was telling me it wasn't working because I just felt like I just didn't feel healthy mm-hmm. and I didn't feel happy. Um, I started working with this life coach who's also a chiropractor and he taught me that he taught me the lessons of love and acceptance Wow! that you have to start from there I just like it, it sort of it sparked something and I'm like this is it I don't love and accept myself so how am I going to be this like this calm and present mother mm-hmm. how am I going to be this um you know, this loving and supportive wife when I'm not even loving myself. So I, I finally understood that at the core of all your relationships is self-esteem. Wow. So the relationship with yourself. And I was just so excited about it. And I'm like, I decided I want to make this a workshop. And, and I remember I attended one of your first workshops. Yes. And it was wonderful. It really did wonders for my self-esteem. Yeah. And it was, how many years ago was that? I think it was like... I don't know, seven years ago, maybe? So I don't remember. It was seven, eight years ago. I remember that at that time, we're living in our community, and it was all about, like, these perfect images. And, like, it it was all about self-improvement and being this perfect person. I remember it was just... 
I just felt like there was so many unrealistic expectations put on us and like we weren't really connecting with each other as women or so, with ourselves or with ourselves so I decided to have this class and my goal was like the truth is going to come out we're going to show our vulnerability we're going to yes. stop <laughs> having these perfect images and the way I did it was through like writing on anonymous index cards like our true feelings our true insecurities and I would read those out loud in front of the class and I just feel like I don't know. I think that broke or shattered some major for sure barriers or something that we had. 100% in our community. I remember I first learned about the concept of vulnerability from you. Not Brene Brown, but from you. <laughs> that <laughs> was vulnerable. That class was vulnerable. It was all about us sharing. Sharing. Yeah, and it felt so good. You would think that us sharing our flaws or our supposed weaknesses or things that make us upset would bring us down, but it actually empowered so us. So the best part of that class was when we would hear each other's um, vulnerabilities. Right. And I remember when people would hear it, they were like all in shock. Mm-hmm. Like... They, I think in that class, it's the first time that people felt that they weren't alone. Exactly. It was so validating. Yeah. Extremely validating for me when yeah. I had that workshop. It so wonderful. it was just like, I remember I was terrified to do it, but I just, I had you this like purpose. It was like something was pushing me. Like you have to do this. Wow. Yeah. What would you tell a girl who is battling with low self-esteem and every time she wants to feel good about herself instead of going inside out as you said she constantly feels like she needs to go shopping or she needs to go out with a friend or she has to fix something about herself so she has to lose weight or buy a new outfit make her hair look different and I feel like that is a common response to so many young girls and women today that when they don't feel good inside themselves. They just search out. Out. And how would you, what would you tell them about how to search within? Because when it's so hard for them. Okay, that's a million dollar question yeah. that you just asked because you're so right. So when we don't feel good about ourselves, actually the world is telling us to go buy a new lipstick Mm -hmm. right put on makeup fix your hair buy a new outfit and by the way it works like temporarily it will numb it might temporarily numb that feeling which isn't the worst thing in the world and it's totally okay there's nothing wrong with working outside in it's just we the only problem that can arise is that when you ignore the inside when mm -hmm. you're just doing it completely on the outside and then you start to get validation only for those outside things then you've like left a void inside and it gets kind of confusing because you're like, why do I still feel so empty? Why do I feel so low when all these people are like being so nice to me or they're complimenting me and I look so good? And then that's when you have to you're look at all this validation. validation. Right. Um, so it's a really good, I said it's a million dollar question because when someone is determined that like I'm going to lose weight and that's going to make me feel good, you can't really stop that person in their tracks it's kind of you kind of have to, have to allow them their journey you're all about allowing yeah <laughs> it's part of the journey or if like i'm gonna go buy new makeup to feel good and they're gonna have to go through that and then they're gonna have to check in with themselves and like okay how am i feeling now or mm -hmm. or you might have to do it at the same time like you, right. you go buy your makeup and then you kind of go and you you explore inside 
Um, I just don't think it can be done alone. Oh, interesting. Can you yeah. elaborate on that? So I don't think you can get to know yourself sitting in your house by yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel like it could it like it could be done in the setting of a group, like we did those group workshops. Yeah. So when you're like sharing in a group, you feel really supported. Um, there's other women who you don't feel so alone. Um, what I do is one-on-one life coaching. So you yeah. come and you're there and you're in this very safe, non-judgmental environment where you're just really getting to know yourself and just, it's not like there's no agenda. So you're just getting to know yourself. So in order to eventually love and accept yourself and you're doing it with someone who's not, who's not there to criticize you, who's not there to judge you. Is someone really who's objective. Objective. Someone who's just there to listen, um, to guide so you sort of just like slowly, slowly open up. Um, I think that's when the magic happens. But if you're trying to do it alone, um, it's hard because we... You don't know. We have blinders on. You're going to keep repeating. You're going to keep going back to what you, your typical approach or what you always do. And it's like you're going in circles. Mm-hmm. When you have an outsider's perspective, 100%. it really oh, it expands you. Um, I just don't think this type of introspection can be done without support. Support. It's hard. It's so much easier to go shopping and buy makeup and make yourself feel good for that minute rather than look inside and then see... You know, the hardest part of this is you have to connect with parts of yourself that you feel ashamed of, mm-hmm. that you feel aren't good enough. And that's it's it, there's a bit of pain there. Yeah. So you need that support. And it's hard. It's hard it's to hard. deal with the pain all by yourself. All by yourself. It's hard to face it. It's hard to face the truth of it. You know, so. you're reminding me, Dorina, when I first started to become observant um, back when I was in college and I was starting to become observant and I was all by myself. I felt like I didn't have anyone who understood me and keeping Shabbat and doing all these things to become closer to Hashem was a very, very lonely experience for me. And I, I came a long way, you know, from that point. And you're 100% right. Without a support system, without people, like, right environments, great yeah. environments, it's very, very hard to face yourself To alone. face yourself. And you said it, it's lonely. Mm-hmm. And it is. Um, and... I think when you work with someone and that person believes in you, mm-hmm. they're kind of like role modeling. Um, they're role modeling how you can believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. I just see it with my clients. It's like I, the way I listen to them, the way I understand them, the way I don't judge them, the way I help them connect with themselves, it's, it's just it's role modeling. I believe in them. And then they start to believe in themselves. Wow. It's like, it's really such a beautiful process. It's a it's beautiful like, process. It's why we're, I think it's why we're here for each other. Like why we're here on this earth for each other. It's to inspire each other. It's to believe in each other, to understand one another. I don't think we're here to do it alone. Wow. That's yeah. So I really that's think beautiful. this is why God places us in each other's lives. This is such a revolutionary idea in our day and age where we're all about independence. That's so true. And you can do it. You can do it on your own. You don't need anybody. Uh-huh. And what you're saying is basically like, no. it's the opposite of what we're always hearing. It's like, um, it's like an interdependence. 
it's not a codependency. That's what we're trying to get away from, where mm-hmm. it's like we need someone else to constantly validate us, make us feel good. That's codependency. Us, that's called codependency. Make us feel needed. That's like a very needy type of dependency that people get confused with interdependent, which is like that's when you're supporting each other or when you're what's that word it's like a math word it's like uh, <laughs> don't ask me about words um <laughs> i don't know it's like you're supporting each other you're inspiring one another it's, right it's like you need that someone yeah. someone is sparking something inside of you it's wow. interdependence interdependence and how does one go about finding these supportive environments when they feel like Anywhere they turn to, like, nobody can listen to them. Let's say there isn't a life coach around. That's a great question. Um, what okay. Can, what else can they do? That's a great question. So you ask very good questions. Um, <laughs> the thing is there, there are it's, – it's just a matter of if you can see it. So the – most of us, the way we're living, we're living in our own little boxes. We're kind of blocked to seeing opportunities and possibilities and environments that we can be a part of. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we're just walking around like very to ourselves, very, very blocked. I think anyone can find a supportive environment. It's just a matter of seeing it. Okay. Okay. So. Or being open to or it. Or being open to it is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So it's like the question more is the, the environments are out there or you can even like, for example, I always had this very, I don't know, is I never grew up in an observant background, right? But I had this passion for Torah and I had a passion for discussing the Torah, Parsha Hashavu every week. I was looking for an environment and I, I found it with my rabbi need on Tuesdays, but I wanted to do it on Shabbat. I just kept looking and I'm like, where is this environment? I'd call my friends. I want to discuss Parsha every week. I have a wow. passion. And then the opportunity came to me. Someone said, do you want to give speeches in uh, my temple every week? And I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. I'm going to start talking about the, par- the, portion, the Torah portion of the week. This is going to be my environment. Wow. Um, I think I could have passed on that opportunity or not seen it right. if I wasn't open. If you were being open about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then someone else was walking around thinking, oh, I, I need a place where I could feel heard. I want to feel supported. I want to get some spirituality. Well, this Parsha class exists every Shabbat, but you're just... And made- it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And then am I open to it? Why am I not seeing it? It's like we get stuck in our lives. We get stuck in our environments. We feel like we can't get out of them. And we're also, I feel like we're very comfortable. We're very comfortable. I think this is the biggest um, point. It's like a really good point to make. It's if you don't like venture out of your comfort zone, out of the current environments that you're in, it's kind of it's very hard to see these openings, these possibilities, potential, your the potential. potential. Mm-hmm. So you it's it, it requires you stepping out of your current environment to see like a new because if you're Think about it. If you're walking around in the same street, in the same environment, how are you going to see something new? Mm-hmm. A different perspective. A different perspective. Right. So, or sometimes if there's a need, like I had this need and it wasn't there, then I created you it can myself. You create it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you do the same thing all the time. Yeah. Wow. So, I think 
your question was, how do I find these environments? I think that's the most important question. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I become open to them? How do I find the courage to step out of my comfort zone? Right. Um, because without the supportive environments, it's really difficult to learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to feel like there's people out there who want to get to know you. Does it have to be constant? Like, you know, sometimes, like, thank God for your partial class where there's a supportive environment once a week. But maybe someone doesn't have the opportunity to be in a supportive environment every single day. Um, You know, maybe they can find it in their own family. That's a great question, too. I think just like with everything else, like, people say, how do I maintain, um, how do I maintain a nice physique? Well, you have to consistently work out. Right. Um, How do I keep my weight off? Well, you need to constantly have a lifestyle of eating healthy. It's the same thing. When you're feeding your soul, you're feeding your brain, you're feeding your body, it it should be consistent. 100%. Um, I think a lot of that is about our values. Like when you value personal development and you value support, you value honesty, Mm -hmm. then then you will make the time to put yourself in these environments. And mm-hmm. when you don't value that and that's not on your highest list of priorities, then you won't make that time. I think so many people don't even know what their values are. That's so true. That's the problem. That's so true. And so many of us are kind of, we're, we're sheep. We're just following what everyone else is doing and we're just kind of lost. We just think like designer bags yeah. or clothes yeah. are values. And by the way, I, I was there. It wasn't like, it's not like I didn't, I was there, I was following, I was following everyone, I wasn't fulfilled. Um, I think that's the key. I felt, I think even when people, when I felt unfulfilled or I felt depressed or I felt anxious, those are all amazing signs of, wait, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing or I'm not with the people I'm supposed to be with or I'm not exploring what, what I need to explore. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. all those feelings and those states of mind are valuable. Wow. Because they're telling you something. I think most people, when they feel anxious or fear, and not anxious, when they feel anxiety or fear or anything that's negative, they usually want to run away from yeah. that. They want to avoid it. They don't want to feel that. So can you tell the audience a little bit about maybe your approach to coaching and to teaching the Torah, because I know that you have definitely introduced this idea, this concept of feeling all of our feelings and being okay with it. You have been instrumental in really bringing this idea into our community that so very badly needs it, because I think you can agree that all of us, we were raised, you know, in a Persian traditional community where everything has to be, as you said, perfect. Perfect. And we have to be happy all the time. And any sign of discomfort or pain yeah. or sadness is not, you know, receptive amongst, yeah. the, especially the elder generation. It's not okay. Um, so wow. can you tell us yeah, a little I'm bit about that up? Because it feels like we've really made a lot of progress because yeah. it doesn't feel like that anymore where everyone has to look happy and everything is amazing and everything's great. I just feel like people have gotten 
really comfortable or more comfortable. I think this new generation sharing their feelings. Yeah, and I think definitely yeah. this new generation is much more open to that. So yeah. Can you tell so us a little bit about your approach? I think. Um, so this is how my approach started. I always had these feelings of insecurity or maybe anxiousness or depression. And I think I very badly fought those feelings. I tried very hard to fight them. I tried very hard to replace my negative thoughts with positive ones. And Mm -hmm. what I witnessed was that I was just getting worse and worse. So there was a lack of acceptance on my part. Um, Then I just went through different sources. I started asking different questions. I started, I, started going to, I started going to people who were more willing to accept what I was feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that really helped me. It calmed me. It was just wow. like, I don't have to fight what I'm feeling right now. It was just this amazing revelation. Wow. That just took all the pressure off. Then I, I, then I started experimenting with it. I'm like, let me try feeling this anxious feeling. And when I would allow myself to just feel how I was feeling, the feeling would pass through and it wouldn't get worse. When I would try to fight my thoughts or my feelings. Or numb it. Or numb it, they would get stronger. Mm-hmm. So I just, I was like, wow, it was just, it, it's just a part of acceptance. Um, I was so excited by this. So I was like, I have to teach this and spread this to everyone I know. And it definitely spread. Um, <laughs> and in the beginning, I was faced with a lot of defense defense or what yeah. are you talking about this isn't good it's I think okay. I was one of the people in the, be- very, in the very beginning very beginning and, and I understood that too because it, it kind of doesn't make logical sense wait if you allow yourself to be anxious won't you get more anxious no or sad no when you when you resist all this it persists so mm-hmm. it just it was just this amazing like I don't know it was just this amazing new approach I was so excited by it for myself um, I used to have chronic insomnia. Wow, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, because I was my, my mind was always trying to fight like whatever I was going through, like whatever I was feeling. So my mind wouldn't settle down and wouldn't allow me to sleep. When I started learning this new approach and just letting myself feel however I was feeling, I was able to sleep so easily. Like it was wow. a life changer. You didn't need any medication no, or anything. No, and before that, even with medication, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. Because I had such a resistance to whatever I was feeling. I just didn't feel safe with whatever I was feeling. So I took, it was, it's, like, it's a leap of faith. I took this leap of faith and I just allowed myself to feel what I was feeling. And, and then I taught this to whoever I was around. And then I, then I took, then I started getting trained as a life coach and teaching it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, it, it just really liberated people. Oh, 100%. It really liberated people. It was just like such a relief. People would be like, oh my God, I don't have to be scared of feeling anxious, mad, sad, depressed. No. And by the way, all those feelings have, we've labeled them as as negative, but they they each have value on whatever journey we're on. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I explore each of those feelings or states of mind with my clients, never trying to get rid of any state. Um, it's hard. A lot of times my clients would resist me because they weren't used to this type of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's scary because you think if you allow for something, it's going to get worse, but it usually doesn't. It's just kind of trying to teach you something. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yeah, of it's course. Exciting. So over the last three years, you have been a Torah teacher in our community teaching the Parsha. 
what led you on that path? Um, that's a great question because I was so intrigued with personal development, which I started my workshops, and then I wanted to work one-on-one with people and just consistently work for sustainable life growth. So I became a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and then at the same time, I had this real passion of gaining this Torah knowledge. I loved it. I wanted to discuss the Parsha every week. Um, and I wasn't afraid to explore that. Although I didn't come from this very observant background. I never went to yeshiva. So we have this, we have the same background. Right. Yeah. Both Dorina and I, we come from traditional backgrounds, non-observant. Uh-huh. We both went to public school. Yeah. I only went to yeshiva till fourth grade, but uh-huh. I was in public school my whole life. So I can relate to you. And I think that's one of the big reasons why I feel so connected to your teachings because you make it so relevant to our everyday life and your perspective really resonates with me and so many others that I know. Wow. Because we come from the same background and I know that like it wasn't easy for you to get to this point. That's amazing to hear. Um, I just followed my passion. I loved, just loved learning Torah, listening to Torah. Um, I felt like it was really connected to my life coaching but life coaching training Mm -hmm. because I feel like the Torah is a life the Torah is our life coaching book and I felt like how am I coaching people without I I just felt I needed Torah to be grounded and everything I want to teach I want to use Torah as a platform Um, and then these classes started your Saturday Saturday morning classes Saturday morning classes and they were like it was magic. Every week we sit around, we, we, we read the Parsha in English, um, and then we discuss it, and then we relate it to our lives, and we ask questions, and, we, and then we introspect based on that Parsha. It's amazing what it, it's, it's really amazing what it does for us. And then that entire week, you're living with the Parsha. Yeah. And I think that's how, I think that's how Torah is supposed to be studied and learned. You're supposed to take it and apply it to your life. Yeah. I want to thank you for being that messenger of helping to have all of us have the Torah in our lives. You know, your partial classes, every time I leave your partial class on Saturday, I just leave with this feeling, not even just a feeling, like I feel so grounded and whole and accepted and valued just from coming to this Torah class. It's like you feel grounded and spiritual at the same time. Yes, 100%. And those are like, it's like, it's almost a paradox. Yeah. But that's how I feel. I feel just so grounded in reality and truth, but then so truth. hopeful and spiritual and so close to God. Wow. It's just amazing. I'm getting goosebumps. It's beautiful. Um, I wanted to ask you, did you ever feel intimidated to teach Torah? Um, and do you still feel that way? Um, yes. I was very intimidated. I felt like I felt it like a phony. Mm-hmm. I felt like imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, I felt like that. I'm like, and I always, the first couple of months, I kept thinking, who am I to do this? I was embarrassed. I felt a little bit ashamed. And then I think slowly I started to absorb what you just told me. It's like, because I come from a background of, I didn't go to yeshiva. I wasn't educated formally in Torah. I think I brought a different perspective. And I, I started to, instead of being ashamed of that, I started to be proud and like value it and realize 
that's why I teach in such a different way and I have such a different approach. And you bring a different value. I bring a different value. So I started to appreciate like what was so different about me. Right. Um, and I'm really proud and of it. I think everyone appreciates that. Yeah. I'm just really proud of it because I really, I went with my gut. I followed some sort of internal guidance system that I had and I didn't, I didn't listen to, I, and there were a lot of people saying like, who, are, who is she to do this? Yeah. And I was saying that to myself, but I'm still proud that I kept going and going really and going every single week. Yeah. It wasn't like, I and just. you're still going every yeah, single week. Yeah, every week. So I, it's a, there's a major pull. 100%. There's some divine purpose and pull to this class. I, it's so special. People of all ages, of all religious levels, of all walks of life come. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it you guys should us. come. Yeah. <laughs> it's really a unifying It's really course. wonderful. Okay, so, Dorina, we're going to talk about something. You recently had a diagnosis. Yeah. And it shook the community. It shook me. It shook everybody. Yet, you continue to give your classes and your precious time to us all. I just wanted to say how much of a role model you are for me because you are the epitome of resilience and perseverance and you are the strength, you know, in the storm. And your spirit is an inspiration to all who know you. Can you tell our listeners how you've managed to maintain such a drive or such a passion during this very trying time in your life? Okay, um, that's a great question too. Okay, I, lo- I love all your questions. Um, so I was recently diagnosed three months ago with cholangiocarcinoma. It's a type of cancer in my bile duct. And I have a couple of tumors in my liver. Um, it was devastating, devastating to say the least to hear this. Um, I, I just listening to you and like I, listening to your perspective, how it affected other people is, is just unbelievable to me. Um, I basically thought like my life is over. That's it. I can't do anything anymore. I'm just going to be this very like sick, unhealthy person. Um, so that's what I expected. And then I just took it we- day by day, week by week. Um, just trying to gain some sort of, I don't know, understanding or mm-hmm. footing mm-hmm. around a diagnosis like this. Um, I think everybody was. Yeah, I think we were all in shock. Yeah, and um, shock, despair. Yeah, and I don't think of myself as a strong person or resilient or anything like that. But the first thing I was able to get back to were my Torah classes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, I just, I, I went for a walk one day and I just found the strength. Wow. Um, there's something about, there's something about Torah for me. There's something about connecting to other women, teaching Torah and discussing it that just had, has this great pull that it's, that's honestly, it's bigger than me. It's greater than me. So I'm just a vehicle in this. Unbelievable. So I, I, I just... I'm like, if God still wants to use me as this vehicle and I can still do it and I'm going to try. So I tried it one week 
Yeah. And I, it was great. I was fine. I was comfortable. I was even comfortable speaking about my cancer in front of all these women. Yeah. When it's and it, I've barely become comfortable with it. But I remember the, people were crying in the class and you were Yeah. You were trying to calm yeah, everybody yeah, else. Yeah, of course. Um but I just just like with everything else, just like when I had insecurities, just like when I had arthritis, just like when I wasn't perfect and I wanted everyone to know it's the same thing. It's like I it's comforting for me to share my truth. And it's comforting for me for others to hear my truth. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about that that connects us. I feel that Torah represents truth. Hashem put his divine knowledge and words and lessons in this great book. And we get to still every, every week learn it. And there's such truth in that. And it's beautiful. And like you were talking about positivity and negativity. Like the Torah has everything in it. Mm-hmm. It's neither positive or negative. It's truth. And that's just beautiful. We've started judging everything as positive or negative. This is good and it's bad. But I think Hashem wants us to absorb all of it and learn about life and, and be open to so many different things. Instead of like, when we just judge things as negative and positive, we sort of block ourselves off to many experiences. So as I read the Torah and I see how many struggles like the matriarchs had or the patriarchs, then I realize, like, oh, it's that's part of life. It's okay. So I may have a struggle also, and it may get me to a greater place. So I'm able to accept more, like, what's going on in my life. So you would say that the Torah is the one thing that has helped you? Tremendously. Like, Which tremendously. Honestly, like... I remember you told um, Rabbanit Biton in our community that it's or she told it to you. I don't know. I don't know if she said it to you or you said it to her that Torah is your biggest medicine. Yeah. I remember I, that. I think I was discussing like today I was speaking to another cancer patient and and I think she, she was asking me how have you come to a place to a place of such peace and maybe accept I mean it's not, I don't have total acceptance, but I'm definitely in an okay place so quickly. Yeah. And I, I just, I was like, it's from Torah. It's from giving my Torah classes. It's from sharing Torah with wow. with these other women who are, by the way, all these women who come to these classes are thirsty for this type of knowledge and learning and sharing. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's therapeutic. People say it's like therapy. But I just feel like it's truth. It's, it's truth. It's, it's, it's Hashem's divine wisdom that he's shining down on us through the Torah, and we have the privilege of learning it. Wow. So... You know, most people who have this diagnosis, I would say they find their support with other cancer patients. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you gain inspiration when you're around other cancer patients, or do you find that you're more inspired when you're in your supportive environments with Torah study? That's a, that's a really good question. I think it just depends on the individual. So when I was first diagnosed, everyone told me to speak to, oh, this other person who has this type of cancer and this other person who has your cancer, or this other person is doing your therapy. Personally, for me, that wasn't what I was looking for. I, I, wasn't, I know that I have to sort of pave my own path in this journey. I'm not really looking to follow someone else's path I, I just have to be me in this journey just like with everything else in my life wow so I wasn't 
personally, that wasn't what was helpful to me, but it might be to someone else. Mm-hmm. For me, I found the support in my Torah classes, um, with my family, with my friends. Really, honestly, in this environment of learning Torah, it, it, it's, it's magical for me. Wow. It, just, it gives me strength. It gives me hope. Like everything I'm looking for, it gives me this, this feeling that God is with me. That is so beautiful. Yeah. That's, so That's what I got from it, that God is still with me, even though I'm going through such a difficult time. Wow. Yeah. That's very touching. You're, it reminds me of what you just said about, have, you said it a while ago, like 10 minutes ago maybe, about having a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel as though people misinterpret what faith is. They think faith or emuna is about being completely strong and knowing that Hashem is doing everything good for you and everything is for the best and there's a reason for everything. And that's, how pe- that's what people equate with emuna. But what you just shared right now, that's faith. You said that you know that Hashem is with you even though... No. Even though yeah, you're going even though through I'm going through such a difficult time, I'm going through such a struggle. Um, I'm, so can you define what faith is? What is amuna for you? So for me, it's kind of going back to what we were talking about. For me, amuna is feeling my feelings. It's like, okay, I have this feeling of anger. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride this wave out. I'm gonna feel it. I'm gonna. I, I was angry. I was so angry with Hashem mm-hmm. in the beginning, and I. I let myself be, and everyone around me, because they know me so well, let me be. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go through that, and I withdrew, and then I was depressed, and I was sad, and every like every stage I went through, and every feeling I had, I had faith in each of those feelings, in each of those stages. Wow. Yeah, as that's a, so hard. Yeah, it was. It is. It was. And but thank God through all like my learning and just the experience of coaching others and the experience of these Torah classes, I just, I had this faith. That's incredible. Yeah, and it brought me back. It brought me back to feeling so close to Hashem. It brought me back to teaching Torah. There's so much humanity in your story and so much connection and realness and that it's not, you're seeing that faith and emunah is not perfect. No. It's not this perfect devotion to Hashem. And I remember you were talking about it in one of your Torah classes the other week that having faith is not, you know, being the most devoted Jew to Hashem and doing everything on your checklist. And I remember we spoke yeah. about this first Shabbat project. Yeah, years ago. That it's not being a checklist Jew. It's being a real Jew. Right. It's showing God how real you are that you want to connect with him through the good and the supposed bad you're right and being true to yourself being true to yourself yeah so when you have that checklist and you go into that autopilot mode it's how much are you being true to yourself um you're being a robot yeah so i think that your feelings and your emotions and those are the things that are difficult but they they help you also be true to yourself um they help with authenticity, mm-hmm. um, real authenticity, real authenticity. <laughs> um, I think it's scary because I oh, I want to have that perfect amuna. I want to have that perfect faith. And like when this happened to me, I didn't have it, and I just kept asking why, why me. I was angry, and I didn't want to go there, but I knew I had to. So 
what you were talking about is like, like you said, like she's using her hands, like it's like a book mm-hmm. or a piece of paper. You just, it's straight. It's a straight path. But mm-hmm. I think real amunad isn't straight. It's like, it comes with a lot of, yeah, it's twisty. She made a twisty thing with her hand. <laughs> I used it, my hands. Yeah, there's a lot of curveballs. Um, you get tested. Yeah. So, and, but I think it's just so much more beautiful. Wow. Because it's real and it's, it's real. it's real and it's, I don't know, it's raw and it's vulnerable and it's, it's like, what, like you said, it represents humanity. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, you can connect to that. It's hard to connect to like the perfect, again, that goes back to like the perfect image and the perfect faith. Um, that's not me. So, wow. but thank you for acknowledging that. It's when I hear it from someone else, I'm like, who are they talking about? That's not me. That is you. But when I hear from someone else, it really helps me. That's what, like, what I'm talking about, connecting to someone. Yeah, everybody can see that. It's hard. It's like it's nice to see a reflection, like from other people. Yeah. So it helps. Um, it really helps sustain my strength. The like when you when you just told me that, like when people come up to me and say like you did this for me or. You, you, you seem so resilient. Those are like such beautiful words to hear and it helps in my process mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. not what I'm thinking about myself. Right. So it's nice to see that reflection from someone else. Wow. Yeah. So say something kind to people, basically. Say whatever the you... Truth, the, the truth. The truth. Of, yeah, I think you're telling me the truth. the truth. That's why it resonates with me. Yeah. So... You might have covered this, but um, through this experience that you've had... Have you discovered anything new, new about yourself and other people? Hmm. So, yes. I always thought of myself as a, two things. I always mm-hmm. thought of myself as a very weak person. Um, I grew up, I was very, I was always a very sensitive kid, ultra sensitive, hypersensitive. So that immediately made me feel weak, um, so just going through this experience, it's, it, which has been amazing, is that I'm realizing from what you're saying and what other people are telling me, and also just seeing myself, that I, I'm, not, I'm not a weak person. I'm, I really have, I am a strong person, and I'm quite resilient. If I wasn't going through such an experience, I don't know if I would have had the opportunity to see that in myself. So I would have continued with that belief system of, I'm weak, I'm hypersensitive, mm-hmm. um, I can't handle things. That's what I thought. That's one thing which has been huge. The second thing is I never trusted my body. Mm-hmm. I always had a strong mind. Like I always did well in school. I had a strong mind. But I, I was, for example, I was always like klutzy or I was never a good athlete. Um, Same. Yeah. <laughs> years later, I started developing autoimmune disorders. So that made me lose even more trust in my body. And you think now that I have cancer, okay, that's it. I really can't trust my body. But the way... I'm, my resiliency is coming from my body also, the way my body is able to go through chemo. And then like, I can't believe it. A few days later, I'm able to still function as a normal human being. sitting here with me. Yeah. I had chemo yesterday and the day before. So that's my body's amazing, godly ability to bounce back and be resilient. So I'm actually through this process, which is so hard on my body, I'm gaining trust in my body. And gratitude. And gratitude. Wow. Yeah, and it's like always, I always really trusted my mind. I never trusted my body. Yeah. So I'm, it's like amazing that this process is also helping me connect to my body, trust my body. For example, 
Like today I needed to take a two hour nap. I trusted my body and I did. Normally I wouldn't listen to that part of me. You would just keep going. I would just keep going. So then as I trusted it now and like I got an amazing nap and I was able to go through the afternoon, I was able to cook, be there for my family and like I get to connect with you right now. Wow. Yeah. I'm connecting with you too. Yeah. So that's that, those two things. I think, I think I'm going to continue to learn that I am a very strong person. Thank God. And I can trust my body. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. You're really inspiring me right now. I'm like, I'm trying to not, you know, get tears. But even though you, you would say it's okay. I'm surprised we're both not crying right now. I know. I was about to cry before. Uh-huh. I'm sure our listeners would be crying right now. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and do this interview with you, to share your story, share your journey, give everybody else support validation, love, trust, and everything else that you're giving to people through this podcast. I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart that you're doing this because you're, by no doubt, you are impacting so many people who are listening today. And I want you, can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Sure. Um, Okay. Well, first, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity. I any opportunity that I have to speak my truth and for my truth to be heard is just um, unbelievable for me, and it helps in this healing process. So that's why I agreed immediately to do this with you, and I love hanging out with you. So thank you. Thanks to all the listeners for taking their time and listening to us. You can find me, although I've been a little bit inactive on Instagram. I'll get back to it on Coach Darina on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically, and I have, and under my name, Darina Kaladi on Facebook. Um, I'm hoping Where she writes beautiful, beautiful posts. Right. I am hoping to get back to it. I took a little bit of a leave of absence from social media since I got diagnosed, but slowly but surely I'll come back. And. Um, just that's where you can find me. And then I do personal one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. that I love to do. And and then now I'm doing these Torah classes where I'll be talking about that also on my social media sites. And Wonderful. Yeah. Thank, thank you so you, much. Thank you.